Good evening, everyone. This is Juan Banana Fund of the Scope Ministry. How are you today? I hope everybody had a good Thursday today as we get ready to rock and roll. Shouldn't say that, rock and roll, but I'm so excited. As we get ready to um, get into our topic. Topic today is the king is calling you. And it's based on 2 Samuel chapter verse, chapter 9. But before that, I want us to pray a little bit. This is under the scope ministry, 7 Days Adventist. Everything that we speak here in the, in the podcast is based on 7 Days Adventist belief. Based on the Bible and Ellen G. White. So... Anyone who looks at under the scope and says, oh, this is another denomination. This is not another denomination. This is under the scope ministry, seven days Adventist. This is my personal ministry. I am a seven days Adventist. Um, been a seven days Adventist for over 50 years. That being said, let's pray to get this show going. Today's topic, like I said, is the king is calling you. You know, sometimes we we think about when someone calls us and we we hesitate a little bit. Depends on who it is and what it is that we're being called for. Um, Mephi Percet felt like this, felt terrified, felt um, like this is the end of the story of his life. And we're going to go into that on Mephi Percet's uh, life and all the bad things that happened to him and how everything can change when the king calls you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for everything. Thank you for your love, your your mercy, your kindness. Now that we're going to start our show, Lord, and before we start, we're going to have a special in Spanish. El Rey te manda llamar. Thank you for loving us and may this podcast touch at least, at least one heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Danny Barrios, El Rey Te Mandayaman. But before that, we'll have a commercial. Unexpected happens to your business. NJM will go above and beyond for you. For over a century, NJM has been there when you need us most. NJM, more than you'd expect from business insurance. Ah, existe uno, mi señor, 
que habitan lo demás, tierra de tristeza y dolor, donde reina la maldad, la miseria es realidad. Es una tierra sin sueños, Señor, lugar de favor. La mi pregunta si va, háblame más de este hombre, por favor ya díganme. Worship people, let's let's praise and worship the Lord. That's what happens when the king calls us. Things change. And it changed for many people self. Amen. Qué lindo cuando el rey nos manda llamar. Beautiful when the king calls us. Amen. Glory to God for that beautiful, for that beautiful hymn. The king is calling us. 
El rey te manda llamar. The king is calling you. Today's story is based on 2 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 1 through 13. Everything changes when the king call, comes calling. Everything changes when the king comes calling. First of all, in verse 1, let's read, let's read verse 1. It says, And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness, mercy, for Jonathan's sake? We all know Jonathan and David had a very good relationship. And we're going to discuss this later on. They had a good relationship and they made a pact. So when you listen to the name of Jonathan in the Bible in this chapter, it means a pact. And David wanted to show kindness. David had authorities to destroy, authority to be merciful, authority to, to do whatever he think it was right. And it says, Dijo David, He quedado alguno de la casa de Saúl a quien haga yo misericordia por amor a Jonatán. How would you define the word grace? Webster defines it as undeserved divine assistance given to humans for their regeneration and sanctification. Us or others have defined it as unmerited divine love, favor extended to sinners from God. Maybe you heard the following. Justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. Each of those is true. The following story illustrates what grace is all about. It seems that Fiorello, Fiorello, LaGuardia, who when he was mayor of New York City during the worst days of the Great Depression and of and all of World War II, was called by adoring New Yorkers the Little Flower. Because he was only five foot four and always wore a carnation in his label. He was a colorful character. He used to ride the New York City fire trucks. Ray speakers with police department take entire orphanages to baseball games. And whenever the New York newspaper were on strike, he would go on radio and read the Sunday funnies to the kids. One bitterly cold night in January of 1935, the mayor turned up at the night court that served the poorest, poorest war of the city. LaGuardia dismissed the judge for the evening and took over the bench himself. Within a few minutes, a old woman was brought before him, charged with stealing a loaf of bread. She told LaGuardia that her daughter's husband had deserted her and her daughter was sick and her two grandkids were starving. So imagine that. The husband left the wife. The wife was sick. They had two two children and they were the grandma and they were grandkids to this old lady. 
But the shoekeeper from whom the bread was stolen, the shopkeeper, sorry, from whom the bread was stolen, refused to drop the charges. It's a real bad neighborhood, Your Honor. <clears throat> the man told the mayor, she's got to be punished to teach other people around here a lesson. LaGuardia sighed. He said, yes, you're right. <clears throat> he turned to the woman and said, I got to punish you. The law makes no exception. Ten dollars or ten days in jail. But even as he pronounced the sentence, the mayor was already reaching into his pocket. He extracted a bill and tossed it into his famous sombrero saying, Here is the ten dollar here is the ten dollar fine which now I remit. <clears throat> and furthermore, I am going to fine everyone in this courtroom fifty cents for living in a town where a person has to steal bread so that their grandchildren can eat. Mr. Bailiff, collect the fine and give them to the defendant. So the following day, the New York City newspaper reported that $47.50 was turned over to the bewildered old lady who has stolen a loaf of bread to feed her starving grandchildren. Fifty cents of that amount being contributed by the red faced gro grocery store owner, while some seventy seventy petty petty crimes and petty criminals, people with traffic violation <clears throat> and New York City policemen, each of whom had just paid fifty cents for the privilege of doing so gave the mayor a standing ovation. This chapter is all about that kind of grace. It is about the kind of grace that reaches out to undeserving and lifts them up out of their condition, forever changing them in their surroundings. It may be that there are some here this evening who need the kind of grace, this kind of grace in their life. If so, I want to tell you that there is hope in, lo in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some already enjoy the kind of grace. For those, this message will be a mere reminder of what Jesus has done in and for them. Whatever, wherever you stand with the Lord, there will be help for you in this passage today. Now let's join David as he extend his grace to a man named Mephiboset. Let's watch David take Mephiboset from the poor house to the king's house, as we do now that as we do know that what David did for Mephiboset, Jesus can do for you and much more too. I want to show you these verses today that everything changes when the king comes calling. Mephiboset's family. In, in the South, a person's family tells you a lot about them. If a person has a wrong family heritage, it can cost them social standards. In fact, one of the first things we want to know about someone new is what kind of family does he come from? 
while that is true in the physical realm, it is also true in the spiritual realm. In verse 1, a disgraced family. He was the descendant of King Saul. He was born into a family that had been rejected by God. 1 Samuel 15.23 Let's go to 1 Samuel 15.23 What does it say? Saul's family was rejected by God. 1 Samuel 15.23 What does it say? It says this. It says, For rebellions is as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, God talking to Saul, he has also rejected thee from being king. I'm going to read it in Spanish. Porque como pecado de adivinación es la rebelión, y como ídolos a idolatría la ostentación, ostentación, Por cuanto tú desechaste la palabra de Jehová, él también te ha desechado para que no seas rey. So God rejects. God has rejected this family. This is a disgraced family, Saul's family. This family had once been in power. Now they were out of favor with God and with men. The same is true today. For every person born into the human family, there was once a time when humans were given dominion over the earth. Genesis 1, verse 26 through 28. However, when men sinned in the Garden of Eden, the entire human race fell from power and from favor. Now all humans that are born into this world are born as members of a disgraced and fallen family. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says this. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says the following. Speaking about a disgraced family. We as human beings have fallen into a disgrace. Romans chapter 3 verse 10. It says like this. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Como está escrito, no hay justo ni a un uno. Verse 23 says the following. It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Por cuanto todos pecaron y están destituido. Destituido, that means rejected, destituted, or set apart de la gloria de Dios. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says this it says wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned por tanto como el pecado entró en el mundo por un hombre y por el pecado la muerte así la muerte pasó a todos los hombres por cuanto todos a doomed family, verse 1, part B. All the descendants of Saul have been embarked 
for death. In fact, David had been busy purging the sons of Saul. Second Samuel three one. Second Samuel chapter three verse one. So this family not only has fallen into disgrace, but this family is doomed also. Because you know when a new king comes about, he has to destroy the descendants of the fall of the of the person that was before him. Second Samuel three three one. What does it say? Second Samuel chapter three verse one. And it says, Now there was long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. Hubo largo guerra entre la casa de Saul y la casa de David. Pero David se iba fortaleciendo, y la casa de Israel de Saul se iba debilitando. It says, Because... Mephiboset was a descendant of Saul. He too was doomed to die an inglorious death. So it is with those born into the human family. We are born under the curse of death. Ezekiel 18.4 We are born under the curse of death. We are also not only a disgraced family, a disgraced uh, human race, but we are also doomed as well. Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 4. What does the word of God says? Ezekiel 18 4 says, Behold, all souls are mine, as the souls of the Father. So also the soul of the Son is mine, says the Lord. The son, the soul that sins, it shall surely die. He aquí que todas las almas son mía. Como el alma del Padre, así el alma del Hijo es mía. El alma que pecara, este por ciertamente morirá. Every person is born into this world, is born destined to die. Why? Because we are sinners before the Lord. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, and says, For all, for the wages of sin is death. There is a death sentence on the entire human race. Chapter uh, verse 4, it says, A destitute family. Chapter 4, uh, verse 4, sorry, of Second Samuel. What does the word of God says? It says, And the king said unto him, Because the king said, uh, Let's go back to verse 2. It says, There was, And, and David said, I want to I have mercy for, for Jonathan's sake. And there was of the house of Saul, A servant whose name was Siva. And when they had called him into David, The king said unto him, Art thou Siva? And he said, Yes, thy servant is here. Verse 3, the king said, Is there not yet any one of the house of Saul, Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Seba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame of his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? 
and Seba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Micaiah, the son of Amiel Am, in Lodabai. A destitute family. The Bible tells us in verse 4 that Mephiboset was living in a place called Lodabai. This is a word that means no pasture. This was in the house of Micaiah, which means sowed. Mephiboset was living in a place of poverty and want. Consider the fact that Mephiboset was a cripple. He had been dropped by the nurse when he was five years old. As a result, he was laying on both of his feet. Second Samuel chapter two. Second Samuel chapter four. Verse four. And Jonathan Saul's son had a son that was laying of his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephiboset. It's unfortunate, right? This kid's everything changes, right? And according to the story, this kid's life was marked with misery, calamity, tragedy, and sorrowness. As soon as he was five years old, the nurse took him. His daddy died. His grandfather died. He was fleeing. And top to make things worse, he fell and became crippled and lame. And in top of that, he fled to a place called Lodabai, where there was no pasture, where is where there is um, all the all the all the lame, the delinquents, all the criminals, all the poor people live in this place called Lodabai, and this is. This is um this is his life. This is the life, this is the cup of life that was given to him. And it's amazing, right? It's amazing how how um how we often complain how we often complain about you know um not having money or how often we complain about our situation and 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 the things that are happening to us but there is people there is people out there that are going through worse situation than you and I we every person in this planet does not um does not drink of the same cup each human being that is born into this world, a cup is given to them. When I say a cup, I mean that their life, their, their, their life is in bottle or is in a cup. And some people 
cups are more um how can you say um more more harder than other people's cup each and every one of us have a different cup to deal with in our life and Matthew Posset at the start of his life the very start in top of that he was a sinner born conceived as a sinner second his parents his parents died the bible doesn't mention the bible doesn't mention his mother but it does mention his grandfather and his father and they both died and in top of that fleeing from the wrath of the king from king david he falls down and gets crippled and in top of that lives in lullaby lullaby where there is uh nothing good there it's like the poorest poorest city or poorest state of the country and these these are the cops that he had to face he had to face that he was crippled had to face that he was living in a poor place maybe sometimes in the night going hungry uh not probably eating nothing um on top of that um very few family members and trying to make it just to survive this horrible cup in which he was given um is 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 um it's really hard it's is um really hard i i can't imagine i cannot imagine what he went through because i'm not in his shoes but sometimes we have to as christians we have to put ourselves in the shoe of another person because like i said not everybody receives the same cup every cup and every person has a different cup so we have to put ourselves as christians in the shoe of another person that is struggling that is going through tribulation even even if if, if they have fallen we have to pick them up we have to help them out we have to be compassionate with them and you know what 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 caused my attention in this story also is that verse 1 is uh, the foundation is the very foundation of this story because david says in verse 1 that he wants to show mercy he wants to show mercy and kindness to 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 Jonathan's if there's someone out of the descendants of Jonathan that he wants to show kindness and mercy we can only we have as Christians we have the antidote for the cureness of this world and the answer is Jesus Jesus is the answer to all the problems in this world to all the problems in your life everything can change when the king calls you and we can see 
that we have the answer because King David had the answer for the life of this poor lame kid that was living in lullaby lullaby and that was and that his cup was a hard cup to follow some people are strong when things like this happen to them and they 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 get stronger and stronger and what happens is they can get stronger and stronger or they can get um such a negative attitude towards everything a hate inside and i'm pretty sure mephi percent really hated king david for all these things that happened if it wasn't for king david probably his father and his grandfather would have still been alive and maybe he would have still been uh okay and not crippled you know so all this brings remorse towards the other person and king david the bible says they wanted to do kindness <clears throat> for the sake of jonathan his best friend you see jonathan and david made an agreement made an agreement that if jonathan will help david jonathan told david that if he dies that if he can do mercy and show mercy upon his descendant and david says the bible that he wanted to show kindness for jonathan's sake he made a pact he remembered the pact and now he wanted to show kindness we can only show kindness to those people who are struggling who is going through hard times and difficulties and everything that are jobless that are hungry that are going through so much we can only show them kindness and 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 all this good stuff mercy grace compassion only if we have a connection with god only if we have a connection with jesus the only way we can show and give to others what we have is if we show if we give to them that what we have which is Jesus Christ and that's what David wanted to do David wanted to give and wanted to share what God had shared with him the way God was with him the way God showed kindness the way God showed mercy the way God showed grace in David's life David wanted to show the same kindness, the same mercy, the same grace to Mephibosheth. But Mephibosheth has no idea of what the king is thinking. And sometimes when these bad things happen, when these bad calamities happen, when these atrocious uh unfortunate things happen in our life, we have a tendency and maybe Mephibosheth thought also God has forgotten about me. God don't love me. God has abandoned me. We have a tendency of thinking like that also. But in the long side, Mephibosheth had no idea of what this king was thinking, the plans of this king, what this king wanted to do 
and methypossessed life. He had no idea that someone was thinking about him. He had no idea that he thought that the person had forgotten about him. He had no idea that this person had him in his mind, had was thinking about him, and was thinking about how to make things right for this kid, for this guy, Mephibosheth. You know, my, my time, I just want to read one more thing. Because he was lame, he could not work. He had inherited nothing but poverty and death from his family. He was a man who was in a desperate situation. He was a man who was missing the best life had to offer. He was a man in a terrible condition. The human life is in a destituted condition as well. He is in a position of having no pastor. He is so under the sins, under the bondage of sin. He is lost and needs a redeemer to deliver him from his slavery. We are born in sin and are doomed to hell and to eternal damnation. And there is nothing at all, nothing, I mean nothing at all that we can do about it. You see, a lost sinner cannot save himself. He cannot turn over a new leaf and be better. He cannot purchase salvation. The same way as Mephibosheth cannot change his, his situation, cannot change that cup that was handed to him, cannot change his status. He, can, he cannot purchase salvation. The lost sinner is absolutely destitute, doomed before the Lord God, helpless, hopeless, and completely without power. The human condition is summed up quite plainly in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in this world. That is our, that was his condition and that was our condition also as human beings. This, this is the first part of this story. And I want to end with a prayer. I want to end with a prayer in part one of everything changes when the king comes calling. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your love, your kindness, your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Help us be connected with you. Help us understand and see the way you are with us, that you forgive us, that you have mercy, that you have grace, that you have patience with us, that you are just. The same way you are with us, help us be with other people. And David wanted to share that kindness, wanted to share that love with Mephibosheth with Jonathan's son because he had made a pact with him. Long time ago, Lord, you made a pact with Eve and Adam in the Garden of Eden when they sinned, when they were destituted, when they had fallen from grace, when they were doomed. You made, when they were in a hopeless situation, when they were helpless and hopeless and lost, destituted to die. You made a pact with them a long time ago saying that you will put enmity 
between the man, the man, between her seed and their seed. Long time ago, you made a promise that Jesus was going to come, that Jesus was going to come and 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 come to help us, to come and save us, to come and restore us, to come and give us hope, to come and give us eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for loving us, that we may share this love with those who are handed, who have been handed a hard cup in life. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Juan Benalafa under the Scope Ministry, SDA. May God bless you.